Hello, friends, and welcome to Men Do Disney, episode 139, Create the Next Land. My name is Pete, and joining me tonight is Matt. What is up, everybody? And Tom. What's up, guys? How are you? We're three guys who want to help you make the most of your Disney World vacation, as well as to bring some of that Disney magic into your life every day. So put on your favorite pair of Mickey ears, lower your safety harness, remain seated until the ride has come to a complete stop, and men, let's do Disney. All right, what's going on, guys? Not a whole lot. Just wishing I was at Disney World last week. I mean, I'm always wishing to be back at Disney World, even though I was just recently at Disney World. Always, always wishing to be back. And always looking forward to the next trip, too, right? And we've got one right around the corner. Right around the corner. Two weeks, maybe, something like that. Would we Would we call that It'll be int- would we call that just around the river bend? Uh, you could if you were so inclined. Yes, in fact, say that. Sorry, my, my mic is all uh, screwed up here. I want to make sure everybody can hear me loud and clear. Uh, so episode this week, and I think this was a uh, this was a listener suggestion, I believe, and I'm not sure who it came from, but thank you if it was you, you know who you are. We don't, sorry. If we find out, we'll give you credit later. Um, we're going to create the next land, and I'll get into sort of the rules and regulations. And I think Tom's already cheated, so I, I don't know why I'm going to bother going through the rules. But I but I think we'll go ahead and do that uh, before we get started. So. Before we do that, let's pause for just a second for the uh, for the news. So, starting with the news here, obviously just just closed out Labor Day weekend, and Pete, I, I don't know if you had a chance to to pay attention to the wait times, but Disney World did hit capacity, and here's what we saw: we did see wait times a little bit extended. Epcot looked pretty crowded on Saturday. You know, I think Hollywood Studios obviously was crowded, but. What we didn't see was what I've read about that was in Universal this weekend, and it was ridiculous. I mean, Universal opened the floodgates and had people all over the place. Disney obviously took a you know drew the line in the sand, and and they're not going to risk people's safety and well being to pump these parks full of people. You know, the pictures that I've seen from Disney World, why yes, it was more crowded. You know, one thing I referenced in a previous episode was the queue to get into the Mexico Pavilion. They had a line, you know, a queue set up to get in. That queue actually hit capacity. So you couldn't even get in line for Mexico at one point this weekend. But again, if you look at the pictures of Disney, it wasn't nearly as crowded as at least what Universal looked like. Yeah, I did I did see that uh, Disney had, I think, the highest hotel reservations that they've had since the parks reopened. I think they were at 80% hotel capacity, something like that. I did watch the wait times a little bit. I, I saw Splash Mountain up in the 60, 65 minute range. I think Space Mountain may have been up there. But interestingly enough, Flight of Passage, I don't think ever I ever saw above 35 minutes. Navi River Journey, about 15 minutes. There were some other peaks. I know Frozen was had a, a super long wait, like 70 minute wait all weekend. Frozen and Test Track. And that speaks to where the crowds went. And And if I could weigh in on what I think happened here. Universal has not capped their annual pass holders from coming in. They can come in any day they want to. While Disney World has capped that crowd, and oftentimes you have in-state folks who have passes to both, so they went where they could go. But what I think happened at Epcot, a lot of annual pass holders could still get into Epcot. Where you know your Hollywood Studios, your Magic Kingdoms of the world are probably taken up by most of the resort guests and the hard-ticketed guests. And then Animal Kingdom kind of had the leftovers. And 
no offense to Animal Kingdom, but if I'm walking in Disney World on a Saturday, I'm picking Epcot 100 times out of 100 over Animal Kingdom for one day without Park Hopper. And so I think that's why we saw what we saw. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. And and look, Epcot has, compared to all the other parks, relatively few rides too, right? So of course those rides are going to hit peak wait times fairly quickly. I mean, if you're if you're talking about locals bringing their kids, you know, because for us, we could go to Epcot and not ride rides at all, right? We could spend the whole day in the World Showcase. But if you're talking about a family going down there or anybody with kids, they're going to want to ride rides. And so, yeah, those those rides are going to hit uh, hit high wait times pretty pretty quickly. Now, a couple other notes that have come out since our last episode. Disney has discussed some reopening plans for Cinderella's Royal Table and Hollywood and Vine. I think Royal Table opens on September 24th. Hollywood and Vine opens September 25th. It'll be limited distance, distanced character interaction uh, at Hollywood and Vine. And then ABC Commissary will open October 8th. And so um, at Cinderella's Royal Table, you will not have Princess meeting with guests. Uh, Hollywood and Vine, you will have a distanced character interaction available there. I know we've touched on it. Polynesian's getting refurbished. Uh, they've extended their closure. It'll be a Moana retheme. And I think Disney has confirmed that this will, will go into summer of 2021. So, yeah, looking looking at quite a bit of time there. Um, another Labor Day weekend note, Disney Springs did hit capacity this weekend. That's the first time I think Disney Springs has hit capacity. Uh, they turned guests away in the evening hours on September 5th. I, obviously, folks were going for the shopping and the dining and, and just to kind of get out of the house. And so, uh, you know, I think you can actually check your My Disney Experience app before heading out there to make sure the area is still admitting new guests. That's that's one thing to keep in the back of your mind. Uh, walk-up availability has rolled out inside of the My Disney Experience app. So what that is, there was a soft debut a few weeks ago. Disney's fully launched the walk-up waitlist feature, which allows guests to check in as walk-up availability at a table service restaurant inside the app. You can just check dining availability and choose the current date and party size and select now for the time frame. This is a really nice change in my opinion because pre-COVID, you really weren't getting a table service dining reservation for a family of four. And I'm not saying you'll get it now, but at least you can play around the app and not go all the way to the restaurant and, and start from there. Um, this was an interesting one, Pete, and I, I don't think we've talked about it. The discounts that have rolled out for resorts for from September 4th to December 25th, and it's select states. So let me list the states, and then, then we'll talk about it. So if you live in the states of Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia, you can receive up to 30% off on rooms at select Disney Resort hotels, of course, you can find all this information out uh, on the website. Florida residents have their own, which is at 35%. So they can get just a little bit more from now and through September 30th. I mean, what is Disney saying here? I mean, they obviously nailed the Southeast with this. Well, I, I, th- I think they're trying to encourage car travel, right? Because people are still nervous about flying. And, you know, whatever. That I've, I've flown once already. I'll be flying again next week to uh, to go down to Disney. I don't have a problem with it, but people are, are nervous about flying still. And so I think this is their way of saying, hey, we're open. You guys are pretty much all within driving distance. 
come on down, we'll give you a discount. I, look, I booked a room with this discount for December. I mean, it's it's not the best discount I've ever seen. And, and will I keep the reservation? I don't know. I'll probably end up running DVC points, something like that. But it, it is a, you know, 30% off a deluxe is, is nothing to sneeze at. No doubt. No, I think uh, I kind of agree with you. I think Disney is is one encouraging driving to the parks, but two, I you know that still kind of incentivizing the folks that are closer to home. Other than that, that is that's all I had for the news. I, I know uh, People Mover extended their closure. Pete, I don't know. If, are there any items you had you wanted to add to the news? Yeah, just a couple of things. Uh, I don't know if I talked about this last week. I don't think we did. Jelly Rolls opening has been postponed indefinitely over at uh, over at the Boardwalk. So disappointing there. That's that's some place we like uh, we like to go hang out one night at least. Uh, you talked about Cinderella's Royal Table with no princesses. You talked about the mobile dining wait list. So the only other thing that I had big news, not really Disney Park related, but it is Disney Plus related. Mandalorian season two coming uh, October thirtieth. So get excited for that. Hey, just around the corner. That's mm-hmm. exciting stuff. Exciting stuff for sure. All right. Well, I think that's all the news we've got. So uh, with that, we'll pause for just a second to hear from our sponsor, Kingdom Strollers. So your family is coming to Orlando. And the thought of lugging your stroller onto the plane isn't your idea of fun. But you're smart enough to know that conquering the theme parks of Orlando without a stroller for your kids could be a vacation killer. As parents ourselves, we get it. You're not asking for much. You just want the convenience of a clean, affordable stroller or crib delivered to your hotel or vacation home, ready to use. Welcome to Kingdom Strollers, a Disney-featured stroller and crib provider that does exactly what you're looking for at a great price. To book your stroller or crib, just click on the item you'd like to reserve and select the dates for your rental. We run a tight ship, so we will never overbook. Next, tell us where you're staying and choose the times for delivery and pickup. Then, choose from helpful free accessories like cooler bags and rain covers. It couldn't be easier. If you have any questions or concerns, you can check our FAQ page or just give us a call. We are always ready to answer your questions. Once you've placed your reservation, there's nothing left to do except count down the days until you're in sunny Florida. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and book your stroller or crib from Kingdom Strollers today. Okay, guys, are you ready to put on your imagineering hats and make some make some magic? I'm always ready to make magic. My wife tells me I'm the best at making magic. Can I say that? Is that family friendly? I don't know, Pete. I mean, you can make magic any way you want to make magic. Well, let's make some magic. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna design the next land, and and right off the bat, I want to make sure that we all are understanding of the rules. So this is a new land, right? This is not a new park. Uh, this is just a land. Can be at any existing Disney park, uh, and and really, I think it needs to fit in at whatever Disney park uh, you put it at, right? I mean, I wouldn't put uh, I wouldn't put like North American Animals at Epcot or Hollywood Studios, something like that. It really needs to kind of fit in where we are. Uh, it has to have at least two attractions, one dining location, and shopping affiliated with it and you can't use existing land so we can't have another star wars land although i will say that uh having like a classic star wars land would probably be kind of cool as opposed to the star wars land we have now yeah so pete i'm just gonna i'm just gonna be straight up with you i think i've been i think i'm bending the rules so i will be pivoting 
most likely mid-episode, to to make sure that I fall within the guidelines you've provided. Because one of the ideas I had, I don't, it, it almost needs to be a fifth gate. I'll talk about that, but anyway. All right. Well, I mean, since you uh, obviously can't follow the rules, we'll let you go last. Matt, what you got? Let's uh, let's let's talk through your new land. So my land is an extension of Hollywood Studios, and it would be Pixar Land, um, and it would basically be an extension of where Toy Story Land is now. I think Pixar Land fits in really well with Hollywood Studios because of the movie element. Um, I would extend the land behind Toy Story Land because there's plenty of room back there. Um, the fun thing about this is the land is limitless. You could bring in all the IP from Pixar. And with that partnership still on solid footing with Disney, you know, you could have limitless potential. Um, I haven't been to Toy Story Land yet, as you guys know, and it's supposed to be awesome, but it's really only two rides. Um, when you bring in Hollywood Studios, um, you know, Hollywood Studios, the park I've always thought had limitless, you know, potential. So having a Pixar Land here would be a lot of fun. I think a lot, I think it would bring a lot of children back into Hollywood Studios, where right now it's kind of thrill ridey and not a lot of stuff for kids. I'd start out with um, attractions. Um, I would extend out um, from Toy Story Land, like I said, and I would go underground here with a Finding Nemo ride. So I would go underground, and I would try to make this an underwater adventure as well, to the best we can. I mean, you've uh, we've all been to aquariums where you can kind of go through a you know kind of a moving walking area that's completely enclosed by by water and fish, and I think that would be a cool element with Finding Nemo. I don't know what kind of ride we're talking about, but I definitely would do Finding Nemo because it's so popular, and going underground there would be cool. On top of that, I would try and create a um, a, a ride based on Wally, because so you have like under the sea with Nemo, and then you have into the into space with Wally. And I think that would probably, the Wally ride would probably be like a simulator. Um, we see a lot of simulators kind of taking off and the technology is just through the roof right now. Um, so the first two rides there would be a Nemo ride and then a Wally ride. Um, I thought another IP that would be fun would be an Incredibles franchise ride. So an Incredibles IP. I think you could do a lot of, um, a lot of things here with, with the roller coaster, maybe through um, different areas of the world, cityscapes, jungles, etc., where you're trying to get away from trying to get away from, you know, the bad guys you're trying to solve crime. And then um, another attraction here would be um, Coco. And I think this would be a moving ride that takes you to the land of the dead with fun music. And I think it would be really cool for kids. And obviously you, know, you have Up, which would be another opportunity for a roller coaster or an attraction like Soarin'. Um, I'm just going to roll through these here and then get your comments. Um, a restaurant, I would like to have a Brave themed restaurant because it really doesn't overlap with the world showcase with a, a little Scottish restaurant right there. And then I think beside Coco ride, you could have a Mexican restaurant that would be popular. And um, you could also have a bug's life themed restaurant, which would be a you know vegetarian type option. So what do you guys think about my land? I, look, I think Disney missed the boat when they put in toy story land and didn't do Pixar land. And Tom, that's been your opinion as well. Everything okay? You you look like you just dropped something, and I'm sorry I did drop the mic. Probably you heard the <laughs> mic. If you heard the mic drop, it was because I have nothing else to say. I mean, I've been on this gripe about what a blown opportunity, and I'm sure Disney always has something in in the works. I'm probably wrong about my opinion, but I really think they missed the boat with just focusing on Toy Story. It's my favorite Pixar franchise, but you had an opportunity to really buff up the attractions 
and the offerings at Hollywood Studios. I guess my my one problem with having a Pixar land is that what do you do with the Pixar based attractions at the other parks? Do, you know, do you consolidate those? Do you shut them down? Do you leave them as is? That that would be like the only question that I would have is how do you how do you you know now that you have Pixar land, does everything have to go there? That's Pixar. So so guys, I mean, I think that doing a Pixar land, obviously, this is going to cost this is going to cost a lot of money. And, you know, like Pete talked about, you do have the attractions that are Pixar themed and Pixar based um, in other places. I think this just opens up the, the opportunity for Disney to create new IP, um, IP based attractions in the Magic Kingdom and in Epcot and in Animal Kingdom because you already have the area. Now it's just about imagineering that that area to be something that really fits that land instead of just having random Pixar things everywhere. Yeah, I like that. And, and I, I think... You know, the the space back there, I mean, yeah, you really, you talk about an underwater Nemo ride because, I mean, you've got World Drive that runs literally right behind Toy Story Land right there. So, I mean, you really would have to go underground with, with some of this stuff, I think, because now that now that Galaxy's Edge is there, you're really kind of hemmed in. Um, yeah, I, no, I, I like this. I think I think this is something that is sorely needed to get all those Pixar franchises into one place. And really, your possibilities are limitless when you talk about what else you could put in here. I mean, how many Pixar movies are there? There's a ton of them. I mean, you know, you didn't mention Monsters, Inc. You didn't mention Up. Like, there's there's so many possibilities that you could put in here. And the theming is, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of continuous theming that you could take from... Because the Pixar movies are all very similar, right? When When you look at scenery when you look at setting of the movies they're all uh, i say all of them not all of them but the majority of them take place in almost a shared universe now obviously you have some outliers that uh, that don't fit in there and brave, brave is definitely one of them but uh, but i mean i could see monster zinc and a bug's life existing in the same uh, in the same universe and toy story oh and up and, and up so but yeah I, I like i like this idea a lot i think uh i think it fits in well at hollywood studios it would fit in as a as a very natural continuation of of toy story land and uh like we've talked about before this is something that is sorely needed to get all these other pixar franchises into the uh, into the parks and, and character meet and greets here too. You know, you've got tons of character meet and greet possibilities here. It it almost it, it almost needs a, a. I mean, you could have a Pixar Fifth Gate, right? A Pixar Park. That's all you have is Pixar. I mean, there's enough stuff there that that really you could do that. All right. Anything else to say about uh, about that? Well, good deal. Well, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll go next. And so my uh, my new land is classic Star Wars land. And uh, it's going to take place in the original. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, obviously, that's against the rules. I was, but I, I was worried because Pete, that's, that's <laughs> mine. <laughs> I do think that the, I do think that uh, you know, like Disney missed the boat with with Toy Story Land. Did they miss the boat with? I mean, people want to see the original trilogy. Could you have right? They want to done see- it. I mean, the Millennium Falcon obviously wouldn't be in. It, well, it could have been in either. I guess. I mean, it really. It's in. It's in both. It's in both. I mean, you could Smuggler's Run could have been pretty much the same ride, just different. You know, a different show inside the ride. Obviously, you're not smuggling for Hondo. You're. 
I don't know, flying for the rebellion or something like that. Now, Rise of the Resistance obviously doesn't work, but but hell, there's no reason you couldn't replace Kylo Ren with Darth Vader and throw the Emperor in there and pretty much it's the same ride, right? Instead of trying to help Rey, you're helping Luke Skywalker. Like that, it would be pretty easy to do that. So anyway. So you're saying, you were saying scrap the Galaxy's Edge present time and just theme it to the original trilogy. I don't see why not. Okay, I got you. No, I just I didn't know if you were saying there there needs to be two separate lands. Like on a serious No, note, no, no. Where half of it is yeah, no. half of it is the original trilogy, half of it's after. It would be it would be really hard to to do that from a character standpoint because I mean Darth Vader doesn't exist anymore in the I mean he existed, but he's not around anymore. You know how, so how do you just You know how they could do it? Think like Hogwarts Express type travel to Batu. So you're time traveling or something like yep. that. That'd be that'd be a yeah. way you could do it. I mean, I just I would have loved to have seen like original trilogy Tatooine, and I and I think they could have done that fairly easily, and still could do it fairly easily without changing much, right? You've already got Oga's Cantina. Well, I mean, that's it's basically the same Cantina from the original trilogy. You just desert theme it. Change Smuggler's Run a little bit, and then Rise of the Resistance obviously needs changes. But anyway, it's not going to happen. But but you talk about the relevance of these lands. Pandora at Animal Kingdom is is kind of timeless because of because of where it's set. If you, I, I mean, is anybody going to remember these new Star Wars movies in in ten years, in fifteen years, or twenty years? Is this land still going to be relevant? I don't think so. Whereas if you had gone original trilogy on it, that land stays is stays relevant and is timeless. Well, Pete, before we dive into yours, I, I came prepared with a couple. Let me jump in on one because I, I think it'd be more of a group discussion. And what where this is the issue. I didn't have IP necessarily for for this. So I had an idea that look, I think you probably get if you're if you're a listener of this podcast or you're a big Disney fan, um, you've probably thought this at one point. We need a we need a villains park. And in my head, I'm thinking where do you wh- here's where I want to start. Where would we put a villain's land? Because if Disney were to lean into this idea, I think it'd be ultra successful. I think you make this uh, from an attraction standpoint, you need to you need to ramp up and, and have two thrill thrill seeking rides here. From restaurant stamp restaurant standpoint, I'm thinking about like the poison apple, you know, some sort of some sort of uh menu from maybe the villain side. And I think you lean into all scary type shopping opportunities. Where would a villain's land fit though? I mean, I think Magic Kingdom is the only place you could put that, right? Because it, it doesn't really fit at Epcot. It doesn't really fit at Animal Kingdom. I think Hollywood, Hollywood Studios. St- where you Hollywood it. Studios, maybe I can see, yeah. And, and Hollywood Studios is, I guess, more the more of an adult-oriented park than Magic Kingdom is. So, you know, maybe if it is a little bit... Uh, if it is a little bit scarier, you know, it does fit in a little bit better at Hollywood Studios. And it, and it looks like we actually just lost Matt. He's having some internet problems, so we'll we'll soldier on without him. Yeah, so so as I was saying, one of the ones, Villain's Land, was was kind of the, the idea that I had, and I'm breaking the rules because I'm not picking an IP. I mean, I guess if you – you can't really pick an IP. I, I think Maleficent needs to be prevalent. I think, um, you know, some of the villains from the Disney classics, obviously – you certainly want uh, the Evil Queen present. Um, Chernabog would be neat to have in there. 
And I think you, you, Hades, I think is, you know, you could have some sort of a roller coaster that's Hades themes that take you to the underworld. You could have a water ride, maybe that's Hades theme that takes you to the underworld. So I think there's a couple different, different ways you could go about this from the attraction standpoint. You know, restaurants, as I mentioned, you could, and I'm, I'm living on the Hades thing, but you could have a restaurant themed underworld and you could go eat in the underworld, you know, go downstairs type shopping. I think, this is where you put all of the villains, pins, special edition t-shirts. It would have a lot of traffic. I see what Pete's saying, I guess, by saying Magic Kingdom, the good and evil. But maybe because Fantasmic's in Hollywood Studios, and that's kind of Mickey's path, you know, fighting good versus evil. I think it would fit really well at Hollywood Studios. You know, if you had to pick an area to retheme, this is going to sound crazy, but I would also, I would just say, you know what, Hollywood studios, you're, you're going to be the more adult park. That's going to compete directly with universal. And I would get rid of the Disney junior little mermaid show. I mean, I would just take completely overhaul that entire area into a villains themed land. So in that case, are you getting rid of Indiana Jones? No, Indiana Jones is in a different part of the park than where the Disney junior stuff is. I just think that, uh, I think Hollywood Studios is where it fits best. And I don't know where you'd put it at Magic Kingdom. I'm sure there's a lot of land that you could develop. You know what would be cool, Pete? And, and Matt, if you if you took Tom Sawyer's Island and made it Villain's Land. And made it its own Villain's-themed island. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think there is plenty of plenty of space. Disney Junior, Voyage of the Little Mermaid, uh, Launch Bay's back. That Launch Bay's huge. And, and so if you take all that out, you do open up a uh, open up all that space. And I think there's, I mean, really all the way back to Slinky. So I've, I've got at least one more. So Pete, I, I'll let you jump back in to what you were going to discuss and you'll probably take us more along the guidelines of your, of your yeah, game I, here. I made the rules, so I'll follow the rules. Um, but, but yeah, obviously it's not Star Wars land, although <laughs> we had that conversation. So the, the IP that I want to see in the parks is Onward. I liked, I liked the movie Onward. I didn't love it. I didn't think it was one of the best movies that they've that they've done, but I really like the world of Onward. The you know that that kind of fan, all the fantasy characters living together in the present, and they had magic. There's no more magic. I think that to me makes for a really really interesting land because. Really, you could theme it like the real world, but just different enough that, you know, for instance, you've got the little, uh, you've got centaurs riding all around. Um, you know, well, how do you make, how do you make a, a restaurant that, that fits that? So it would be really interesting just to see how, how all these, uh, all these places would look. So I would put this at, at Magic Kingdom. Um, I would I would get rid of the big top and the barnstormer and all that area back there, maybe even Little Mermaid, and and slot it right right beside uh, Fantasyland in there. Ton of space back there that I think is uh, not really used that well. I think Dumbo is uh, eh, we might have to move Dumbo. Um, so attractions, I think that uh, the the major attraction here. Is, is going to be a similar attraction to Rise of the Resistance in that is it is going to be 
autonomous vehicles, kind of an epic journey through this through the land of Onward. I don't I don't think that you really want to retell the uh, retell the story of the movie because again, I think the story of the movie is a little on the weak side. Uh, but you're in these autonomous vehicles. Obviously, they're going to be themed to uh, what's his face is Van Guinevere. Gwen, is that the name of the van? Guinevere, I think. Yeah, it's Guinevere. So you know, you could you could go through the scenes of the movie. You could you could have a scene on the interstate driving. You know, you'd go through the scenes of the movie, and then I think the ride ends with a uh, with an encounter with the with the cursed dragon from the movie. Love it. I mean, I I think I came on here went after I saw Onward and raved about what I, I thought the movie was great. And, you know, we talked about longevity of a land when we referenced kind of the idea behind Galaxy's Edge. I think we've hinted it. We think it's going to have to be rethemed or reworked a little bit, maybe from a character standpoint and a time period standpoint. This is, I mean, Onward, if you did a, a land on this, I don't think it's the biggest uh, pull from an audience standpoint, but neither is, neither is Avatar. I know it did great at the box office, but it's a land that you can just kind of create whatever you want and you can listen to feedback and continue to adapt and change. And I, I think you have what could be a really cool major attraction and you don't have, you don't have to go through the story, but put insert people into the land. Being in an immersive land has become more and more uh, popular now. It's a, a term you'll hear a lot in Disney. It's, it could transport you into that land. Yeah, I, I think that I think that you're absolutely right. I think that it's you know, just being in the land is enough. You don't have to beat people over the head with the characters, but but just put them in the land. And I, and I think that this is a cool enough land that it would you know, people would like to be in this land. No, I was just going to echo kind of what Tom said when you said like Pete, I think you definitely went outside the box here on a movie that, you know, I mean, a lot of people love it. A lot of people like it. I mean, like you said, it wasn't the best, best effort, but I, I do think that the imagination there was you know outstanding and, and your take on it's outstanding too. But really quick, it got me thinking about, you know, when you say you're going to have to revamp Star Wars, Tom, you know, Galaxy's Edge, and then, you know, other lands are going to have to be revamped over time. It, it was interesting to me to think back to Epcot and the World Showcase and all the pavilions. And, you know, we're very lucky that those pavilions can change over time you know, just based on what's relevant today. And it got me thinking, I mean, would you want to have something like a Pixar land when, like we talked about earlier, but it's kind of like the world showcase. Like now you're leaving Toy Story and you're going here and then, or even like you could put, you know, an animated animated feature all together. You know what I mean? Yeah, rather than try to mix everything together, keep everything separate. Yeah, I, I like that. And and I think that, uh, again, I think that keeps it, I think that keeps it timeless. I, I think if you set something, look, Pandora is a, is a great example. Pandora is not set during the during the movies, right? It's not tied to any specific movie. Really, you can go into Pandora and not have any clue where in the Avatar timeline you're existing. It doesn't matter. You don't need that. And I think that's where Galaxy's Edge is going to have a problem. And, and Toy Story Land's the same way, right? You can go in. I mean, who knows when you're when you're in the Toy Story world. I think that's where Galaxy's Edge is going to have a big problem is that it has, it has set itself and it has dated itself. And again, is Kylo Ren going to be relevant in 10 to 15 years like Darth Vader is? No, I don't, I don't think so. All right, so one question on this. And it's crazy. We're talking about New Lands and we're spending time on, on Star Wars. But 
Do you think the franchise following what uh, too much pressure there for Disney to have to like I because I think you could have had a land. Yeah, for example, I went when I went with my wife's family. They they've seen the Star Wars movies. It's been years since they've really you know you know sat in on them and realized let's let's put the piece piece the timeline together. They've just seen them all various times. They don't really care what time period they're in, but they're not diehard Star Wars fans. So to them, you could have had Darth Vader, Kylo Ren, in the same within the, within the same vicinity, and they would just think two bad guys. Yeah, and I guess you know me talking. I guess maybe the land itself isn't does isn't going to need to be reworked as much as Rise of the Resistance, because Rise of the Resistance sets itself right. The land. I mean, you can you can add some new characters, take away characters, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. But Rise of the Resistance, which is the showpiece of, of this land, is, I guess, the biggest problem that it has. Rise of Resistance, would have, without giving away any, any spoilers, would have to go through a significant overhaul. It would be closed for many, many months to retheme Rise of Resistance. But I guess, I mean, could you, how, how hard would it be to take out Rey and Poe and Finn and Kylo Ren and put in... Luke and Han and Chewie and Darth Vader. I mean, you're not talking and keep the ride substantially the same. You're not talking a a huge change. I don't know, man. I I guess maybe I'm overthinking it, but I think it would be a challenging just from a from a prop standpoint and just what you're what you're kind of experiencing. Um, but but anyway, do you have any more on onward? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I do. Sorry, we got we got a little sidetracked. So. First ride, again, similar to Rise, same autonomous vehicle. You know, you're in a fight, you're driving, whatever. Uh, second ride, I do have a second ride. And I have two different directions to go here. And I think I want to involve the uh, the Manicore on this second ride. So whether it's a you know Dumbo-like ride where you're riding on the Manicore, or it's an alien, swirl- alien swirling saucers type ride, or you go... Flight of Passage, Soren riding on the back of a Manicore type ride. I think any one of those three would work very well as a as a second ride. You know, not a huge major attraction, but would still draw people in. Again, similar to Swirling Saucers. Yeah, and I, it was one thing I wanted to mention earlier when Matt talked about Pixar Land and said we only have two rides in, in Toy Story Land. I, I a lot of people probably agree with him, but I think Swirling Saucers is a lot of fun. Like I. I would count it as three attractions. Pete, if you went second attraction like Soren, even that, so not Rise of Resistance, so not some of the elements that are in there, but just that's that's an, another e-ticket attraction to me. I mean, that really would buff that land up. And Magic Kingdom, believe it or not, they have a lot of attractions, but they could use something like that. I agree. I agree. All right, so restaurant, I mean – this one writes itself, right? You've got you've got the Manicores Tavern. I mean, you you theme it similar to the movie. Uh, you know, you you have different rooms, whatever. And, and whether you theme it to the beginning of the movie where it's dark and what's the restaurant at uh, at Hogwarts? Not at Hogwarts. The restaurant at uh, at Universal at Harry Potter. I've never. Yeah, three. You know, you you do it similar to Three Broomsticks, or if you make it like a fun pizza place, like it is in the uh, in the movie. Whatever you can, you can go either way with that. I think. Just take Pizza Planet slash Pizza Rizzo and just move it. 
There you go. There you go. There's there you your go. pizza. And and retheme it. And then, you know, obviously you're going to have shopping. This is this is pretty easy. You've got generic fantasy stuff, some movie themed items, and then uh you know, you could sell some swords and some you know, the staff from the movie, that, you know, gems, whatever. I mean, that look, that's a it's another lightsaber wand type uh, type thing, right? You get your staff, you get your gem. There you go. Boom. Huge merchandising opportunity. You're welcome, Disney. I uh, I do accept PayPal. You're not going to dine, Pete. <laughs> You're going to pay a lot of money to Pete, go visit that area. That's true. Pete, I love it. And I, and I had an idea of where you were going from a direction standpoint. So I didn't spoil this at the beginning when I talked about how much I liked Onward. But interactive land. You know, I said immersive was the word. You could, you know, we've... We would probably agree that Disney continues to swing and miss on competing with the wand. You know, I, I know obviously they tried to do the the uh, Banshee from, from Flight of Passage. Mm-hmm. I don't think that really called on, you know, the whole experience. It, it really looks uncomfortable to me. You know, then they did the lightsaber and the droids at Galaxy's Edge. Definitely more popular than the Banshee, but you really don't. You're not allowed to swing, you know, walk around lightsabers out, and you're not really rolling the droids next to you on the street. So here's another opportunity: swords and staffs interacting with different things in the land. That's yeah, exactly. You could, I mean, you could if you if you're building a staff, you can, uh, I mean, right? You cast spells like in the movie at different things, and stuff happens. You know, again, similar to Harry Potter at uh, at Universal. So is it is it back to me now? Because I've got two more. I think it's back to you. What one you got? I'm briefly going to touch on, and the last one I think you guys will be excited about. So, you know, I, I still think Disney should do Beastly Kingdom. I think if you're going to get rid of Dino Land, there's a prime, there's prime real estate there to do it. You have room for two uh, two attractions, and you know, Beastly Kingdom was going to be all about kind of fantasy creatures, you know, dragons and unicorns and things of that nature. You know, I think you have a, kind of a kids type attraction, and then you you make dinosaur. You could keep dinosaur pretty similar to itself and theme it uh, to a more of a beastly kingdom dragon type theme. Um, I think that the restaurant probably writes itself as well. Some ancient rec- restaurant, um, you know, s- selling you things like dragons' feet or or something of that nature, um, and then shopping. You know, I, I think Disney has the plans for shopping there. I think the big thing with this is if Disney could purchase the rights to some book franchise um, or, you know, some book cycles. I mean, think about like even Aragon. Aragon didn't really catch on, but I mean, if they could do what they did with Avatar and they could do what they did with Star Wars and purchase something to really compete with Harry Potter and that world that Universal has created, then you could do Beastly Kingdom and you could even, I mean... It might not be called Beastly Kingdom, but the same vibe that you're talking about, Thomas, where you have dragons and castles, and you could go almost go back into you know the lore of you know King Arthur. I don't know what it is, but if Disney could purchase something like that, and they could bring magic, like kind of Pete was talking about, like where's the magic going in the world? You know, you could do something really cool, but I think it has to be the right IP. And I think Disney trying to do a Beastly Kingdom without an IP or without a story would be a little bit difficult. You know, if they could go the the original direction, and this is kind of rumor, they they were going to have two attract two main attractions. They were going to have the uh, Fantasia Gardens, I believe, which is going to be a boat ride. You could you can tear down what is the Dino Land USA, kind of the area where there's the arcade games. Uh, or put it in, 
<laughs> or put it in where Rivers of Light is. You already or, got or, the water. Yeah, I mean, seriously. Or just make, or yeah, Avatar, you know, Pandora, just make it everything over from Rivers of Light. You know, and then I think if they were to gone, if they would have gone with, I think it was the Dragon's Tower, they were going to have a, uh, a roller coaster themed, basically a, a castle or a tower that a dragon had taken over and he was protecting, he or she was protecting gold. That I still think it fits. I think it fits better in Dino Land. Which is it? And what I heard was that the uh, that the dragon was going to be like the largest animatronic they'd ever they'd ever built before. And keep in mind, this was in ninety what ninety six? No, no, Animal Kingdom opened after ninety six, didn't it? Uh, I think it, it was definitely then. open in ninety ninety seven ninety eight. I, I believe. I mean, that's just me. But one of the things that we can also remember too. I mean. We know that Disney Imagineers left and created Dueling Dragons at Universal. And it, it was kind of based on what Tom's talking about right here. I mean, not the exact same concept, obviously. But Disney did have... I can't remember if they were laid off or if they just left on their own accord. They got upset about something. But Dueling Dragons at Universal came from Beastly Kingdoms. And, you know, the Imagineers are great at it. Like, I still think you have to have the right IP. I mean, obviously, we're all still living in a Game of Thrones world, even though Game of Thrones ended about 12 months ago. I'm not saying it, it, it Game of Thrones would fit, but, I mean, Pete, you read a lot of, I mean, you read fantasy novels and, I mean, novels that are set back in that time frame. And the last one I really read was, um, you know, Aragon when I was a little kid, and then, you know, other things. But, I mean, this is a really cool thing to think about. We're always talking about what's Disney's Harry Potter. And, and I don't know if, I don't know if Disney chasing Harry Potter is is the right decision for them. I mean, look, Harry Potter, the Wizarding World of World of Harry Potter has been immensely popular and it and it really set the stage for, you know, themed lands, right? But but Disney has proven with Galaxy's Edge and and with Pandora that they're pretty good at this too. And you know, we get back to do we need do we need a an intellectual property to to sell a park or to sell a land? I think that the best lands at Disney don't have an intellectual property behind them, right? I mean, the the really, truly, look at Magic Kingdom. How many intellectual property-themed lands are there? there? There's none. And it's, you know, it's the most popular theme park in the world for a reason. So, I mean, is is it necessary? No. I mean, would it, would it, would it be an instant boost? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, maybe... I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that okay, is. Okay, what I would say, okay, obviously Splash Mountain is going IP. You have Big Thunder Road that's not IP. And then you have Space Mountain, which is not IP. And I guess Astro Orbiter is not IP. But everything else there in, in all the lands you talk about in the Magic Kingdom is IP-based. So if you're going to create a Beastly Kingdoms where it's going to go have a, you know a castle and be in that time frame, you have to find some IP for it. It's where I was going. It doesn't have to be the entire land is that IP but there's got to be something Disney there, and what and Disney bought Star Wars and they bought Avatar to be able to, not to make the lands. I'm not saying that they bought them because they're hugely, huge success, hugely successful standalone things that don't need a, a land associated with them. But I'm just like struggling with what the IP would be. I mean, like you have, you know, the Sword and the Stone, but I mean that's not big enough to create an, a land based on. But I mean Avatar, you know, that was cool. I mean, it's just my take. I mean, you guys can, you know. Obviously, just take it with a grain of salt. So, the last land I have, Pete, I, I think it uh, it probably falls under your preference. It's not IP based, and I'm I'm trying I'm toying with what I want to call this, and I'm just gonna say Disney Foreverland for now. Disney Classic Land, Disney Foreverland, 
Guys, this is where the attractions that are near and dear to our heart go live like a like a box of misfit toys. So you put the great movie rides in here. You put the the uh, Alien Encounters in here. You put the Snow White Scary Adventures in here. Mr. Toad. I'm serious. Go, go find the attractions that ha- are being moved for upgrades and move and move the old ones in there if you can. I mean, I, there's there's really, it's kind of a joke that I'm saying this, but I'm kind of serious. And I, it would have make it make it like a a land that's that's only opened for the fiftieth or something. I make it a land that's only open for significant dates. Put it somewhere. Make it a fifth gate. Put all the misfit toys in a fifth gate somewhere, and I break all the rules now. But I would love to have something that just captured all of the attractions. You know, let let the let the get let the uh, park visitors vote. Does this fit in Disney Foreverland? I I I don't know. I just want all the good stuff back. I mean, I like it just for the parades that we're missing right now. The parades would be at Foreverland. Oh, if you throw the parades in Foreverland, you you really have. Uh, you really have done a number on me now. I, I don't need shopping. I don't need restaurants. Or actually, are there any restaurants that we miss that we want in Foreverland? <laughs> Do we want That's Pizza gonna... Planet to pop up over there? <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. Like, I I love the idea, but you know, you'd never get you'd never get Disney to go for it because how do they make money off of it? Right? I mean, they don't they don't make money off because of, of people like us, Pete. Because of people like us. Yeah. I would call Disney and say, is there just a ticket to just let me in Foreverland? I don't even need to see the new stuff. <laughs> no, I, I like this. I think uh, we, we talk about, and, and we've just done a couple episodes on forgotten attractions, forgotten uh, forgotten experiences. Do we do we look at those with, with rose-colored glasses? Like, how good was the great movie ride, really? How good was Maelstrom, really? Yeah, put Maelstrom in there. Let Force Pete to ride that for like four hours in the morning, then then release him to the World Showcase. Now, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny that there are absolutely good attractions that we have lost. But for every, you know, for every good attraction, for every extraterrestrial alien encounter, there's a there's a Davy Crockett canoes, right? Or or two or three. That you know, journey into your imagination. Like where do you, where do you draw the line? But no, I like the idea a lot. Hopefully, hopefully we could soon put things like the Voyage of Little Mermaid in there and Disney Junior, and uh, put those in Disney Foreverland. Disney Foreverland is just it's like Candy Mountain. Candy Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> I I like the idea. I think it would be hugely expensive and hugely impractical, and I, I mean, look. Disney's not going to be in expansion mode anytime soon. They're they're operating at reduced capacity right now. Revenues are down. The parks are still making money, but so it's it's uh it's certainly something to think about. I mean, we we talked, I know we've talked within the past year, hey, they've got to keep growing or die. They've got to keep adapting to the times. Well, now they're just they're just struggling to hang on for dear life, I think, and and everybody's doing that. I mean, it's not just a Disney problem, but yeah, I think I think in the future, at some point, they're going to have to start spending money again. They're going to have to start uh, start doing some some of this stuff. Start expanding. Start start offering new land. Start offering. I mean, we talk about a fifth gate. 
I mean, it's it's going to have to happen if they want to continue growing attendance. It's going to have to happen. Disney's going to make so much money on the fifty year fifty years. I mean, it's going to be hand over fist money. I, mean, I know we're in the middle of a pandemic, and I know all those things, and but people are going to be starved for Disney, and Disney's going to do some things to bring people in. You you say that, but but yeah, who knows? I mean, we don't even know what the world's going to be like three months from now, let alone six months or a year from now. I mean, summer of 2021 is going to be is going to be very telling because you're right; they should be making a killing. So, I mean, 50th anniversary they they had all this stuff planned. Well, is that all on the table still? All right. Well, anything else to say? Um, you know, like to hear you guys' opinions. What would you do? What what uh, you know? What intellectual property would you like to see as a land or or not intellectual property? Again, if you've got an idea for a land. I think those make the best lands. You really just let the Imagineers' creative juices flow, and and let them run wild. And I think they I think they create some cool stuff. Again, Haunted Mansion, Pirates of the Caribbean, Space Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Like none of these attractions had intellectual properties associated with them when they were created. Jungle Cruise. I mean, these are all great attractions that. They didn't need it, and and none of the, obviously none of the lands at Magic Kingdom, none of the lands at Epcot had any of that associated with them, and and Animal Kingdom with the exception of Pandora. So love to hear you guys' thoughts. Shoot us a tweet, email us. All right, Tom, secret and trivia. What do we got? So secret of the night. Did you know the government of Japan gave a statue to the Magic Kingdom? Uh, to commemorate its opening. Uh, this statue is uh, obviously from the, the Japanese culture. Uh, it's tough for me to describe the statue without you, without you seeing it. But the ironic thing, or the kind of neat thing, is Disney moved this statue once the Japan Pavilion was built in Epcot. And if you go to the back of the Japan Pavilion, you can see the statue I'm referring to. So, uh, kind of a cool secret. Trivia question of last week. How tall is the iconic guitar at the opening of Rock and Roller Coaster? Well, if you guessed 40 feet tall, you were correct. Uh, when you first walk toward the attraction, you look up, you'll see the neck of a guitar above your head. As you keep following it, you'll see the huge red base of the electric guitar that makes up the front of the building of the attraction. This guitar, pa- this guitar base is a whopping 40 feet tall. It makes a great photo backdrop. Oftentimes, there are Disney PhotoPass photographers in this area, uh, so I highly recommend you getting a photo there. Trivia question of this week. As you approach the Mexico Pavilion, you'll notice the famous pyramid. No, you you cannot climb it, and there are signs that that tell you to restrain yourself from doing so. However, one unique fact is that the pyramid actually represents three different cultures. What three three cultures are represented here? You can tweet us at MenduWWPodcast or email us at MenduWDW at gmail.com. All right. Well, that's all for this week. Please tune in next week for some more Disney magic. Look for us on the Twitter at MenduWWPodcast. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments, please tweet us or email us at MenduWDW at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help us out. Thank you so much for listening and giving us the most valuable thing you have, your time. We'll see you next week.